0: Welcome to the C3 Church Noosa podcast. Stay tuned for this week's message. Uh, it's so much bigger than the part that we play. We're, we're C3 Noosa, but then there's C3 Bridgman Downs, then there's C3 Sydney, then there's C3 New York, then there's C3 San Diego and and Fiji and New Zealand. And together, we're, we're partnering together to see thousands and thousands. I'm sure you may even have stats of how many kids as a movement We're blessing. So the first time uh, Mike and I, when we got together uh, and thought about this, we thought we could sponsor some kids, and and I think it was 23 the first year. Uh, And I've I've mentioned before that Melissa and I we sponsor three, and then as a church that we sponsor some kids, and we're going to give more donations from the church towards compassion. Uh, But sometimes I think, let's as a church, let's do it. But we are the church. Individually, So I'm going to ask Michael. Michael's a great friend of mine. Uh, we work together firstly at Destiny Rescue uh, and, and I say that because his heart is just to rescue young lives, uh, the defenseless, the hopeless, the hurting, the broken uh, and he carries that in his heart. So I couldn't think of anyone better to come this morning and encourage us in, in getting generous towards those that need it. Uh, and then obviously Michael's moved on and he's working with Compassion. So can I just ask you guys to welcome Michael Keefe this morning as he comes to encourage us and sponsor him.
1: Thank you. Very good. Hey, it's so great to be with you guys this morning and uh, to come back again. It was a little while ago I was here, but it's good to be here today. And I've got my chief encourager, Michelle, over here. Michelle and I went to Bible college way back a lifetime ago. Um, yeah. It's starting to feel a long time. Um, just getting this sorted. Uh, so it's great to be here with you and share this morning. And um, you know that that story that you just saw about um, Lapopo there, like that's that's unfortunately not uncommon um, today around the world. I think sometimes living in Australia, we we get a little bit, I guess, sheltered from what's going on around the world and what's happening in the in the lives of other families and children in particular around the world and um, that goes on again and again and again and so firstly I just want to thank you as a church already for your support by sponsoring those 23 children and we have a few more today for those of you that would like to do that and I'll talk about that later. Thank you, that'd be great, got my paper blowing around, look at that, service, perfect. and so we'll talk a little bit more about that. One of the things I will mention within C3 in Australia, it's now up over 3,000 children sponsored as a whole movement, which is great. And a little sub-note, Queensland is leading the way with that. Um, by the way, of course Queensland is. Who else would it be? Anyway, I'm not going to go down that path because um, I'm a parochial Queenslander, but we'll, uh, we'll leave that alone. Things like state of origin. Anyway, leave it alone. Uh, move forward. Um, But thank you for that and um, some of the projects, uh, so there's actually three local church projects um, that you guys are supporting um, through child sponsorship and I thought I'd read a story this morning from uh, one of them, excuse me, that I just found recently. Um, just to let you know about the impact. Um, And so this particular lady that I'm going to tell you her story, her and her children have benefited from an extra program called the Child Survival Program that goes hand in hand with child sponsorship and that helps um, young mums um, from when they're pregnant um, through to when their child is old enough to be in the sponsorship program. Helps them with pre- and postnatal care, it helps them with life skills, it shares the gospel with them, everything just basics of taking care of their baby that we might take for granted and have someone to come alongside us and teach us that they don't. Um, and so I want to read you the story of, um, of Emmy, Emmy Della LaCruz. Um, this is her story. So she used to be, she says, the neighborhood gossip in her city in the Philippines. Um, 33-year-old woman enjoyed hanging out with her friends and openly gambled what little money she had rather than providing for her children. Uh, But that was the life that she had before she joined the Child Survival Program. Today, Emmy is a community leader. She still talks a lot, but now she talks about her faith and tells people about Jesus. Um, Emmy and her son Marlon made up one of the 40 mother-child pairings that were part of the child survival program at the Life Care Compassion Project, um, which is also a local church. And I'll just mention that every Compassion Project is a local church. So what I love about Compassion, that's one of the reasons I'm part of, of the ministry of Compassion, is, is it's not trying to establish something outside of the church, it's partnering with local churches, because they're the answer to their community. And when you get to visit a project one day, which I hope you will, and hopefully we can get you guys going as a, as a church one day to visit these projects on a, on a trip, you won't just see, you won't go there and see a big compassion sign everywhere, you'll actually go and just see the local church. Because for us, it's not about compassion being known everywhere, um, it's about empowering the local church to be the answer to that community. And that's what happens. Anyway, uh, Emmy was there uh, and joined the program in 2009 when she was three months pregnant with Marlon, um, her fourth son. Um, she said, A neighbour told me about this uh, child survival program. She remembers, I didn't completely understand what it was about, so I hesitantly went to Life Church to ask about this program about pregnant women. That was her first time to step inside church, um, not knowing that it would change her life forever. Uh, life Church has been a partner of compassion since 2007 and uh, started with the child sponsorship program. And then, two years into their partnership, the pastor basically said, uh, I'm not going to say his last name, but Juan is his first name. His last name is about 14 letters to it, so we'll skip over. Uh, He learned about what Child Survival Program was and the other projects had it. And he he said, I I literally beg compassion to let us have this there as well. Um, They were a new church partner, but they wanted to help kids and they wanted to help right from the start with mothers and their pregnancy. Anyway, I'll skip over his quotes. What the Child Survival Programme did was it reached out to families in five impoverished neighbourhoods in Puerto Princesa, which is the community where your local church projects are, which is the very westmost island of, um, of the Philippines. I hear it actually has a really good surf, just putting it out there um, for you, another reason to go on the trip. Um, and so they do all these, different, all these different activities there, they do health screenings, medical checkups, the whole thing's for the mums. Um, she goes and says, As I saw the pregnant mothers, I was very happy. Said the pastor, I really want to treat them in a special way. We want them to realize they're special in God. Uh, let me skip down. So in 2012, um, the CSP there ran a special course um, called the Encounter with God Discipleship Program. Um, it was a two-day encounter retreat, which Emmy said was the moment where she was actually really able to surrender her life to Christ and, uh, and let go of all, all of her sins. She said, I finally understood that my past sins should be left where they belong in the past. Before the retreat, I used to hold on to my sins. Uh, but after the retreat, I totally stopped. After a few weeks, Emmy joined a 10-week post-encounter discipleship class where she made her true commitment uh, to Christ and to also not be absent from any of the Child Survival Program sessions. Uh, let me keep going on. And then uh, she also took part in a School of Leaders training course that lasted 10 weeks. She said, I really wanted to be a part of the training because I wanted to know how I could help teach others about the Lord Jesus. The training classes taught her how to mingle with people, share the gospel, and being a leader in the community. After doing this course, Emmy began to share her faith with her neighbours and regularly brought visitors to church. One of her most important fruits was her own husband, Roger. Roger, who was 53, is a hard-working jeepney driver. If you don't know what a jeepney is, it's like a, a jeep with a big tray on the back, and I've hopped in one that's not made for tall people. Um, you sort of got to crouch down the sit in. And so they fit about 20 people... In, literally on the back of a ute, um, but it's, it's slightly bigger than that. Um, anyway, he worked as a car mechanic, he, he, that, that was his job and that's what he did. Um, but Roger was basically, Roger was an alcoholic, Roger didn't provide for his family, he used the money for himself, um, for his own drinking habits. Um, and it, after Emmy had been on the program for a couple of years, it had been her, her prayer that her husband would come to faith. Um, She'd tell her husband all that she'd learned from the Bible and he would listen intently, I like this quote that they've got here, whenever he wasn't drunk. (laughs) Probably listen when he was drunk but not intently. Um, Finally, Roger came to church with Emmy during the family day, one of the Child Survival Program's regular activities where mothers are encouraged to bring their husbands. Roger cried after hearing the Gospel and receiving Jesus as his Lord and Saviour at the event. He's not been absent from church since that time and neither have their four boys and me and her family have completely changed she's very happy to join the program i'm thankful to, to my neighbor she says who encouraged me to go to the life church to learn more about um, the program that day uh, today those in the program look up to emmy as a leader she's encouraged to give all the she's an encouragement to all the child survival program mothers there she leads them in bible studies and other activities she also gathers her friends who aren't a part of the program and holds bible studies for them and for her neighbors i learned that from the program that a true leader is one who values people i'm determined to take care of the people under my care especially as they grow spiritually i'm always reminded uh, remind the mothers not to be absent and to learn as much as i can I remind them that this is a program for them and for their children from the Lord. That's a story at one, if you can grab that for me, at one of your church, local churches that you guys support. That's the, that's the impact that Compassion makes through the local church there. Um, so can I really encourage you, it makes a, a huge difference. Um, in in the children's lives. It really, really does. Child sponsorship and we're going to find with that donation that you make, we're going to find a need in one of the projects that you guys partner with um, and we'll let you know what that is and and how that uh, impacts them as well. So thank you so much. Uh, This morning, just for the next few moments, uh, I want to share, I want to share about God's heart for children um, this morning, God's heart for children. We don't always talk about that, we run great programs for kids in church and those sorts of things but I want you to capture what is is God's heart for children Uh, and as I do, I'll I'll tell you a little bit more about compassion through the journey but we're going to look at Genesis chapter 21 this morning and and start in verse uh, 8 and this is the the story of Isaac and Ishmael and you might think it's an odd story to choose um, to share about God's heart for children but you'll see as we get into it this morning. Genesis 21 verse 8, the child grew and was weaned, and on the day Isaac was weaned, Abraham held a great feast. But Sarah saw that the son whom Hagar the Egyptian had borne to Abraham was mocking. And she said to Abraham, get rid of that slave woman and her son, for that slave woman's son will never share in the inheritance with my son Isaac. The matter distressed Abraham greatly because it concerned his son. But God said to him, do not be distressed about the boy and your maidservant. Listen to whatever Sarah tells you, because it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. I will make the son of the maidservant into a nation also, because he is your offspring. Early the next morning, Abraham took some food and a skin of water and gave them to Hagar. He set them on her shoulders and sent her off with the boy. She went on her way and wandered <coughs> in the desert of Beersheba. When the water in the skin was gone, she put the boy under one, under one of the bushes, then she went off and sat down nearby, about a bowshot away, for she thought, I cannot watch the boy die. And as she sat there nearby, she began to sob. God heard the boy crying, and the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, what is the matter, Hagar? Do not be afraid, God has heard the boy crying as he lies there. Lift up the boy and take him by the hand, for I will make him into a great nation." Then God opened her eyes and she saw a well of water. So she went and filled the skin with water and gave the boy a drink. God was with the boy as he grew up. He lived in the desert and became an archer. You know, I read this story and and I think of Ishmael and I think, gee, that kid didn't do anything wrong. And here he is out in the middle of the desert with his mum. With nothing to drink. I mean, you've got the situation, if you know the story of Abraham and Sarah, how God had promised them um, an offspring, a son, um, that they would, their descendants would be in greatest number as the stars in the sky and they took matters into their own hands and Abraham and Hagar had Ishmael. Um, but then God fulfilled the promise still and Abraham and Sarah, miracle in their 90s, uh, had uh, Isaac And then there's this tension here, and all of a sudden, Hagar and Ishmael find themselves out in the middle of the desert and run out of water. And I think about Ishmael, I think that that is so true of so many children around the world today. They're born into a situation that was not of their doing and they find themselves in a position that is just horrible and in poverty. When, when things go wrong in the world, when abuse happens in the world, children are often the victims. When natural disaster hits, children are often the ones that are affected the most. When poverty strikes, children are the ones that are robbed of their childhood and robbed of opportunity and are affected. Ishmael finds himself in this situation here. But as we read this story, we see God doesn't ignore Ishmael. And I want to draw out God's heart for children this morning and pray that it, it, it comes... And something that we capture, not only for, say, sponsoring a child with compassion, but for the children in our lives, in our everyday lives. The kids in our families, the kids in our streets, the kids that live next door to us, the kids that we encounter, wherever we go. And the first thing I want to draw out here is that every child has great potential. Every child. God says to Abraham, uh, to, says here in verse 13, I will make the son of the maidservant into a nation also because he is your offspring. It doesn't matter the circumstances that the child comes into the world in, every child still has a plan that is assigned by God for their life and they still have a purpose. And I would even say to our lives, even through our mistakes and even through the things that happen in our lives, God is still at work and God still has a plan and God wants to redeem whatever's going on in your life and, and God is still at work. I'll tell you a story, there's a, a young boy in Kenya who was a, a, a sponsored child, and he, uh, he was sponsored by a little old lady in the north of England, a retired school teacher, and, uh, and he wrote his first letter to her, and, and he, he said, dear sponsor, thank you for sponsoring me, I'm sorry, but as you can see by the attached photo, I'm not very good looking, I'm not very handsome, I think he said, I oh, don't know, heartbreaking. Anyway, you can relate, did you say? Oh, Sorry. <laughs> No, he writes this letter and, and the, the lady writes back to him and says, uh, says to him, his name was Douglas. Dear Douglas, I think you're mistaken. I can look at the photo and I think you're a really handsome boy. He writes back and says, oh, thank you so much for your kind words. This obviously takes place over months. Uh, writes back, oh, thank you for your kind words, but as you can see by my school results, I'm not very smart. <clears throat> she writes back and says, Douglas, I just want to encourage you. God's given you a gift. He's given you something that you're good at. You're going to find that. And, and, and you're going to be able to use it. Find what that is. Anyway, they keep exchanging letters, and a few letters later, Douglas writes to his sponsor Dear sponsor, I found something I'm good at. We had a race at school today, and I won the race. She writes back and says, Douglas, that's fantastic. Keep running, keep running, keep running. And, and keeps writing these letters, and he writes back. The next letter comes back and says, uh, says Oh, dear sponsor, today I'm the fastest kid in my school. And the, let us keep. And then I'm the fastest child in my community. I'm the. Let us keep going back and forth. And when Douglas is in his late teens, now, dear sponsor, I'm one of the fastest people in Kenya. I'm going to the Olympics. And in 1988, Douglas went to the Seoul Korea Olympics, and came runner-up in the marathon. He got the silver medal. In 1988, at the Seoul Korea Olympics, and. Uh, on the way home from the olympics he was due to fly back to kenya but for some reason they went via london and he goes to london he says oh i'm gonna meet my sponsor and so he surprises her finds out where to, and comes up and meets her in this little cottage up in the north of england and comes in and he's sort of like it's literally a little college and he's cottage he's a big tall guy he's got to crouch down through the door and comes in to meet her and the first thing he does he takes off his silver medal and he gives it to his sponsor and says i want you to have this because without your encouragement, I would never would have done it. And she's like, no, 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 I saw you run. And he's like, no, 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 this is yours. Anyway, he went on to win gold at, uh, at the world championship. So it's not like he was short of a medal. But that impact of that person just encouraging him. See, every child has great potential. They just need it brought out of them. They just need it encouraged uh, out of them. Uh, they just need it, someone to come alongside them and bring it out. And even the son of the maidservant here, Ishmael, has great potential, someone just had to bring it out of him. Second thing I want to highlight here is, God's asking us to not ignore his children. I'll read verse 15 and 16 again, it says, When the water in the skin was gone, she put the boy under one of the bushes. Then she went off and sat down nearby, about a bow shot away, for she thought, I cannot watch the boy die. And as she sat there nearby, she began to sob. Sometimes we hear the horrific things going on in the world, and we just want to pretend they don't exist. Like this year, 5.9 million children will die before their fifth birthday of preventable causes. Malaria, diarrhoea, malnutrition, things that kids in Australia don't die from. That's 16,000 today, under the age of five, will die from preventable causes. And we hear that and sometimes we're like, oh, I, just don't want to, I just don't want to know because it's too hard to handle and for Hagar, it was, it was even more because it was her child and it was like, I'm just going to put him away under the bush because it's too hard and I don't want to know and I, I just can't do that, can't bear to watch. God's challenging us to say, don't look away from that but be a part of the answer to that. Don't look away from it and go, it's too hard. And I could rattle off a whole lot of other statistics that are far worse than the one that I just shared with you. All the different things that happen to children in the world today. But God is saying, let's not look away from it, but let's go to the children to help them. I, 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 you read about Jesus talking about the children in the Gospels all the time, and sometimes we, we read, oh, that's nice. Jesus said, let the little children come, and that's good. I don't know if you've ever heard the saying, children are, are, are better off seen and not heard the old saying back in jesus time it was it was children weren't just seen and not heard they were just not even to be seen like you've got to understand when jesus says let the children come that was so revolutionary at his time children were not a part of considered a part they were tucked away in the home and that's it children were not a valued part of society it was so different and so for jesus to say that was so revolutionary so when you read that about jesus don't just think oh that's not jesus said let the children come they sat on his knee isn't that all That was just like breaking people's paradigms, That was smashing people's worldviews, that every person, every child is so valuable and so important. I don't know if you guys know Kathy Clancy, you guys would know Kathy, some of you would know Kathy. I remember the first time I met Kathy and I had Harry with me, my boy, he was probably four or five at the time, and I'll never ever forget, Kathy came up to us and she walked up and she said hi to Harry and then she greeted me. And it just sent this message to me. See, some adults would be offended by that. I, w- I just thought, I love this. Because she just placed so much value on my son. She wasn't, uh, you know, dishonouring me at all. But she was just showing the importance of, hey, every child matters. And so she talked to him and greeted him. She said hi to me, and then she went back to talking to him. And he loved it. I just saw, like, the look on his face in that encounter. It was just, children are so valuable. They're not to be pushed... Aside, And God is asking us whether the child is our next door neighbor, or the ratty kid next door that really bugs us, or the the friend of your child who you, in part, wish wasn't the friend of your child, or a child across the world, right across the other side of the world. He's saying, let's not ignore these kids. These kids matter, and these kids are important. Uh, The man who started Compassion, Everett Swanson, did it back in 1952 in South Korea he saw orphan children walking through the community and he was moved by it and he could have just gone home and ignored it but he didn't and 65 years later 65 years later this year there's now been well over a million children who have gone through compassion's program there's now 1.8 million children in 25 countries in compassion's program around the world being impacted because he said I'm not going to ignore these children that's where it starts with our own personal choice to say, I'm not going to ignore these children. I'm not going to leave it to someone else to do. Third thing here, God hears the cries of his children. Verse 17 and 18, God heard the boy crying. And when he said to Hagar in verse 18, he says, What's the matter, Hagar? Do not be afraid. The angel said, God has heard the boy crying as he lies there. God hears the cries of these children. Can we put up a picture of of the two young ladies um, Yeah, two young ladies here. Last time I was here, and it's all right if you don't remember it, but I told you about Yvonne in the polka dot top. Um, I want to tell you about Gina, this time in the yellow top. Um, If we can go to the next slide, Uh, this is where Gina... That was Gina's childhood house. And when I say that's her house, that's it. That's it. That's the whole house there. And they slept outside in a tent. But actually, it's not a tent, because we get nice, like three-bedroom tents from BCF, it was a tarp over some bamboo. And that's where um, Gina grew up. And Gina came into Compassion's program when she was about eight. When she was about 12, she really like, got committed to following Jesus in a big way. And, um, and her parents persecuted her for it even though she was getting the benefit of the child sponsorship program and the food and all these her parents would give her grief about going to church and her extended family who lived in the same area in the same poverty mind you as well but they would they would persecute her <clears throat> and for years they persecuted her and Gina told us about her prayer she goes during that time my prayer this is what i would pray now if i lived in there I'd probably be praying, God, give me a bigger house. God, give me something else. God, what can you give me? This was Gina's prayer. Gina's prayer was, God, I pray that my parents would know you like I do. I pray that my parents would come to know you. Well, God heard Gina's cries. After three years of persecuting her, Gina's parents relented and came to church. And then they met Jesus. And they became Christians, then they got married, and, and just the whole, I met them, I met her parents, and they said with tears in their which I can't quite get my head around this statement, but I'm going to throw it out there anyway, they said with tears in their eyes, we're so glad we lived in poverty, because if we hadn't, we would have never met Jesus. I don't know if I could say that, like the poverty that they live in. God hears the cries of these children. Number four, God is calling us to respond. Verse 18, lift the boy up and take him by the hand, for I will make him into a great nation. The angel of the Lord called out to Hagar, and God is crying out to us, calling out to us to get our attention, to lift these children's hands up. There's two things I see there. Lift the child up one of the things I love about Compassion's ministry is it, is, it, is it helps them up, it gives them opportunity, it's not, you hear people say not a handout but a help up and it really does define that, it's lifting these kids up and giving them the opportunities that they need. It helps with food, with medication, with education, um, it helps with all these different things and, and, and they, they hear the gospel. Every child gets to hear the gospel. If we can put this slide up, last year alone, 136,000 children in Compassion's programs worldwide accepted Christ. 136,000. That's a child every four minutes. In the two hours that we'll sit here this morning, 30 more kids have given their hearts to Jesus around the world through this. This is the impact that it's making. Yeah, come on, give, give the Lord a hand. This is the impact, and that's just the children in the program, that doesn't count the family members. I, I've met one of my own sponsored children in the Philippines, and his parents to, told me and said to me, we came through to Christ through this program, their whole family did. Like the impact, the, the, the impact, some people say to me sometimes, oh where's the revival today? I'm like, it's happening, it's happening, these, are, these kids are coming to know Christ, it's giving them that opportunity, but then I, I, I love the imagery there, it says lift the child up. And take him by the hand. I just love the imagery of holding a child's hand, coming alongside a child. It talks about relationship, it talks about community. Uh, One of the reasons Compassions Program is so effective is it's a local church community that they're walking alongside them. Story of a young lady, or young as relative, she'd be about in her 30s now, um, but she was a young lady, or she still is, um, sponsored um, through Compassions Program in Uganda. And she is doing amazing things today, but when she was um, in, the, in the program, her parents had passed away when she was young and she was living with an uncle and auntie. And uh, unbeknownst to the, the, the pastor of the church and the workers in the, in the Compassion Project, um, her uncle was abusing her. And at the age of 15, she made the decision to end her life. And she went and took a bottle of, of some sort of poison of some sort And said, I'm going to drink this, I'm going to end my life, this is too hard. And she said, But the last thing I'm going to do before I do that is I want to read my letters from my sponsor because they're the only thing that make me happy. And so she took the letters and the bottle of poison, went and sat under a tree with the intention of reading the letters and taking her own life. But then she read the letters and she reread the words in them like, You're loved. We'll call her Jane because I don't want to identify her name. Jane, you're loved. Jane, we value you. Jane, God has a plan and a purpose for your life. There were scriptures in there all throughout it. Jane, you are, you are precious. Jane, you are beautiful. And she read those letters and she's like, I'm not taking my life. And she went to the pastor of the local church and and went there of the, pro, of the program and and she walks in and imagine this when you're the pastor. She walks in and plonks the poison on the table and says, I was going to do this but I know God's got more for me and and starts to pour her heart out. They get her out of that abusive situation. She's doing wonderful, amazing things today. She works for Compassion in Uganda. She ministers to the children. Like the impact that it makes. someone wrote those letters and can I encourage you as a sponsor, if you're already a sponsor, take the time, go online. It takes two minutes, write the letter because you don't know the difference it's going to make in that child's life. We're to walk alongside them and hold their hand and the kids in our world today, do you you know the difference that sometimes just a little, just a a smile makes to a child, just the little things. I even remember as a teenager, the first time I ever got up and spoke and and preached, and I got up to speak for 10 minutes, and the hand was going like this, and the leg was going, and I was so nervous. It was 10 minutes, we went to this uh, church at Beerwar and our, our youth group went and ran the service, and I got to speak for 10 minutes. I was so nervous, and I sat down afterwards, and uh, Trevor, who was in our church, the bus, who drove the bus there, it was one of the dads, drove the bus there. And Trevor has probably never spoken publicly in his life, just got in and drove the bus. I went and sat back down and Trevor was sitting next to me. And do you know what Trevor did? He just went like this and tapped me on the arm. And that was all he said. But that was like, you did great. It was a, you did great. Because Trevor was a man of very few words. But the little, the little pump, the little fist on the arm, you did great. It's just those things in the life of a child that make an incredible difference. Number five, this is a really important one. We're about to wrap it up in a moment. Verse 19 says, Then God opened her eyes. This is talking about Hagar, and she saw a well of water. So she went and filled the skin with water and gave the boy a drink. What I want to highlight here is it doesn't say God miraculously made a well of water appear. It says, God opened her eyes and she saw a well of water. The well was there the whole time. The well was there the whole time. God just let her see it. God just opened her eyes to see it. I believe in my role wholeheartedly with compassion. One of, my, one of my, the things I, I'm committed to is I want Aussies to open their eyes to see the well of water that they have in front of them because it's big and it's deep and it's huge. We are so ridiculously blessed in this nation. The well was there the whole time. Sometimes we get so caught up in our day-to-day lives and our world and our first-world problems, and the phone charger doesn't reach the bed, and you know all the different things that are just too. You know, we just get caught up in all these little frustrations. You know, the water filter spills or whatever it is. You know, we get caught up in these day-to-day frustrations that we don't realize how much we actually have. I'll tell you what, Aussies spend a week, and none of this is none of these are bad things. It's just to show you how much we actually have. We spend $11 a week on our pets. We spend $12 a week on chocolate chips and ice cream, $32 a week on alcohol, $52 a week on average on holidays, $62 a week on restaurants and fast food, and $161 a week on anything called recreation. It could be anything from movies to golf to Foxtel to playing sport. That's what we spend as Aussies on average. Now, it might not be you exactly like that, but it's just a picture to show as a nation we have a deep well of resource. We are incredibly blessed. I'm not saying any of those things are bad. I spend money on all those things. I'm just saying we can't go, oh, I don't have anything, God. What have I go? We have a deep well, both financial resources and both with the gifts and the abilities and the talents that God's given you. So it applies both ways. It applies to when it comes to giving and it applies to, the, uh, to what we give of ourselves as well. And I I did some research and in Australia, if your household earned $80,000 a year, which is about the average, apparently, if your household earned about that, you would be in the, um, even allowing for our higher cost of living here, you would be in the 8% richest people in the world. Then if you tithed, you would still be within the 10, you'd be in the 9.9% richest people in the world. And then if you sponsored a child, it would drop you from 9.9% 10.1% to 10.1% richest people in the world. Massive drop in standard of living. We are incredibly blessed. And so we have so much resource. God opened the eyes of, her, of, of, of Hagar to see the world that was already there. And my prayer is that God opens our eyes to see what's right in front of us already. We're incredibly blessed. For $12 a week, sponsoring a child, that's a, that's a couple of cups of coffee and a cake if you're lucky. If you're lucky. I don't even think you can get a large McDonald's meal for $12 anymore. One cheap counter meal, that is what sponsoring a child is. You know, for, for most of us, um, $48 a month to sponsor a child is pretty comfortable. It really, we don't have to sacrifice much. There might be one or two people here that do. That, that would be a big sacrifice, I recognise that. Um, but for the child on the other side of the world, it's absolutely life-changing. It absolutely turns their world upside down. Writing a letter to a child might take five minutes of your time, but to a child it's life-giving. That someone across the other side of the world loves me enough to write a letter to me, telling me that they believe in me, telling me that I'm not my circumstance, that I'm not defined by the poverty that I was born into. It changes someone's life. It's, it's a little sacrifice, but it's a massive difference the important thing with hagar there is when god opened her eyes and she saw the well she didn't just say oh the well she went and filled the water up and went and got her son and gave her the didn't just oh that's nice there's a well there she did something with it she acted upon it last point this morning god will complete what he's begun Verse 20 says, God was with the boy as he grew up. He lived in the desert and became an archer. Child sponsorship is actually a very little, small role that makes a big difference in that child's life, but then God is at work in their life and completes what they began. Last couple of weeks, I got to spend some time with a lady called Michelle from the Philippines. Uh, Michelle is 36, um, and she was sponsored um, back in the 80s and 90s as a sponsored child. Um, Her story was horrific. But what she does today is incredible. She runs her own organisation in Manila, helping women and children out of prostitution and out of, um, out of exploitive situations. She is now, um, there's an organisation called the Lasan Movement, uh, a Christian gospel movement around the world. She's now the ambassador for that, for children at risk around the world. And, and the amazing work that she does is phenomenal. She now speaks all around the world at conferences, sharing stages with... Um, with uh, just speakers that she's just like, I can't believe I'm sharing with this person at the same stage at the same time. And it's all just because God has been on her hand. She was sponsored when she was a little girl, an eight-year-old girl. But God's been there the whole journey. She actually got to meet her sponsors in the US. She was in the bridal party of one of their daughters. Um, Like, that's an amazing story. That doesn't always happen. I'm not promising that's going to happen for you. Um, But God's been at work and He completes the work in her life. We start something with a child but then we complete the work. I'm going to ask you today to come and, and look at the children that need sponsorship and to sponsor them. I've got little Ronald here who's been... Uh, Ronald is going to be nine in May. He's been waiting 150 days for a sponsor. Um, I'd love to see Ronald sponsored today. Lives with uh, his father and mother. His father sometimes works as a fisherman and there's three other kids in their family. Um, I'd love to see Ronald. If you want to sponsor Ronald today, come to the back. You can pick up the sleeve and, and take him out, fill out the form today and, and, and sponsor Ronald. Uh, I'm generally not good at asking people to do things like this. Um, you were? I'm generally not good at it. Um, when I was 19, I was a telemarketer for a day and then I quit. When I was 21 I, at Bible College, I sold smoke alarms door to door Um, for about a month on the weekends I would go and sell smoke alarms door to door and in a month I sold one smoke alarm and it was to an 80 year old lady called Merle who went to my church and just felt sorry for me so I'm generally not the type of guy I get uncomfortable doing this and we're talking about people giving up money and those sorts of but this is the one thing I'm prepared to not worry about being uncomfortable for, because it matters it makes a difference we are we have so much and such a small thing for us can impact the life of a child and so I'm asking you today to come and sponsor a child I'm asking you if you already sponsor a child thank you so much I'm saying do you have room for one more in your family maybe you do if you don't yet sponsor a child I'm asking you to come and do that because children matter to God you can change a child's life release them from poverty in Jesus name see them impact their community change their world let me pray for you this morning Father, I thank you, God, that you knew every one of us as a child. You knew our situation, what we were born into. You you knew our name. You knew everything about us. You knew every hair on our head. and, And, God, you've walked with us even at times when we haven't known it and you've been with us the whole way, shaping us into who we are today. And so, God, I thank you for each person here like that. God, every single one of them that you're at work in their life. And I pray this morning, God, as you are prompting people to help another child that you know, God, and that you value, that you know their name, they might not be known to us, but God, they're known to you. I pray that people will be obedient this morning. I pray that they will respond. I pray, I I, I thank you, God, that, that it's just a response. It's not something we have to mull over for a week. We don't, yeah, thank you, Lord. Thank you for that, God. And Lord, I just pray as people in their everyday lives that you'll let them see the children in their world that they can impact the child that they can encourage the child they can smile at the child that they can take the time to listen to even if they don't even know what they're talking about just to listen and encourage that child in Jesus' name Amen I, I just want to say one more thing um, I, don't, I don't pray every time I go to Maccas to spend 12 bucks a week I actually don't think this is something you need to go and pray a week about. I just think it's something we respond and do because it's, it's Jesus, it's the gospel. It's how we respond. It's how we do it.